Welcome to the Magic Hour, a safe haven for lost stories and curious folk. On today's episode, we're exploring tattoos, symbols, evolutions, the meanings of them. We're weaving our own stories, the journey of the ink we both carry, in with that of the larger human story of what and how tattoos have come to mean to us. So we'll start with a larger tapestry of tattoos as a human story, and then focus in on our own personal myths that mark us as one of the painted ones. <laughs> it's a very fascinating topic. So welcome. Mm. Um, and there's a note I kind of made when I was researching and thinking about tattoos, because I learned about all different um, methods and reasons why humans have gotten them mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was looking at many positive reasons, but I also realized that they also can be very, very evil. They can be related to evil because of the strength they have, because they're this permanent addition to a body, mm. um, depending on if you have choice or not. They're very powerful things. Right. They can be symbols of enslavement. They can, um, and belonging to someone else. Mm. They can be brands. They can steal your identity. I thought of um, German death camps. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I said branding. Um, they can also be an epic taking back of power, mm. the re-envisioning of an idea or a new life. Mm. Whether you're getting it over a part of the body that you want to heal or whether you're covering up an old one. Wow. Um, the myth associated with each, mar with each marking holds weight, in my opinion, regardless of intent. For sure. And they are definitely magic spells capable of good or evil. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we want to acknowledge and welcome in the year 2024, as you may have caught. Hello. <laughs> Hello. The guided journey <laughs> that we did a few episodes back um, where we marked the transition period with a Yule theme meditation. Look out for more of those. We're just acknowledging the ever turning wheel of the globe uh, using the Druid calendar as our framework. Yes. Mm. So today is about tattoos. Uh, Ooh. Originally, we're thinking markings of status or uh, family affiliations, but also just like an intense rite of passage. Uh, tattoos have been popularized in a global way, mainly due to travel, sailing. Um, cultural exchange is this incredible thing. Us humans are just yearning for meaning and ways to ritualize and commemorate important moments or energies in our lives. But... Um, Pixie, why don't you uh, go back in time? Tell us. Oh, that's our that's our time machine. That's the noise. I know that was the noise you made up. <laughs> um, Season one, folks. Usually, <laughs> when we both went off on our researching adventures, um, what I always do is I want to try to find the earliest possible record. Mm, tricky, and of course. There's, yeah, there's probably definitely things that no one will be able to prove Word. because how far back, but the oldest, as far as what I've read and, mm -hmm. and we're going to link the things we sourced, but we could be wrong and we could be off, but I feel like that's what history is like. History is very, it's living, always updating it's thing. living because you're always learning new things. But what I found was the oldest one. They thought it was Egyptians at first, but they actually found is it Iceman? How do you say his name, do you think? Oh. Otzi? Oh, yeah. Because it's got the umlauts over the O, so I'm thinking Utsi. Okay. 
Oh, see, um, he was a Iceman 5,000 years ago. He's an ancient Iceman. And you can look him up. Like you can see, like I think they did an AI generator of him um, predating Egypt. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had markings on different parts of his body. But they actually think they weren't even, it wasn't a form of expression. It was for pain management, yeah. which is fascinating to me. It wasn't even for exactly. like expression. Yeah, I read That's that article. Think. It was like around his joints, which is like yeah. maybe thinking like osteopathic, like arthritic type relief of pain. Yeah. And if we're going to imagine like an Iceman 5,000 years ago, he probably had it pretty hard and his body probably hurt. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, so, oh, Lord. So, yeah. you know. And I think they thought when I read about it, they said because of the random, not randomness of it, but it wasn't like, it didn't feel like an artistic choice is what I think that they were saying. But maybe it was, but it sounds like not. How I trust can them. we know? How can we really know? So you can actually see images because his body was preserved and you can see those images. Yeah. So that and was then, like the, the main reason why we're kind of like, hmm, wondering is because really we're relying yeah. on preservation of either artifacts or humans human body and that only really happens through ice or like extremely arid um you know yeah. desert air so or mum mummification um yeah but but i'm not sure if the i don't know if the egyptian the two egyptian mummies were on purpose or by accident um no but anyway those were purpose, um, purposeful because of the placement they were pur purposeful yeah. right yeah yeah you're right okay so um so iceman was from like five thousand years ago Austra italian austrian border mm -hmm. Um, and then in ancient Egypt was like the second oldest or like the next oldest. And just quick, interesting uh, thing. I'll be linking the article and you can look at the images of them. It's really magical. It's really amazing to me. Yeah. Um, it was actually very like moving for me to see. But um, there was a male and a female. The male had a sheep and a bull. And they kind of guessed that it was the bull was like virility, some kind of thing about um, are you talking about Egypt, the, the Egyptian tombs now? The Egyptian guy. Yeah. Um, he had a sheep and a bull. They weren't so, so sure about the sheep, but the bull is like about kind of like, um, I want to say when you, when you say virility, isn't that like fertility, like kind of like ready to procreate sure. kind of situation mm -hmm. or wanting to, or feeling strong or something. We'll never really know, but they think that's what it was kind of symbolizing the bull being on his body. And then um, the woman had a crooked staff or a throwing stick and there was like an S. So they feel like that was about power maybe. But these are all guesses. Like you don't really know. But they, the, they said the symbology kind of matched the Egyptian symbology that you would see at that time. Right. So they were kind of using symbols from that time, which I thought was really cool yeah. and interesting. And for me, to for some reason, those two formative physical proof of it was very moving to me because I was like, look at us, like humans over all of this time, um, in some way expressing something that matters to us and our bodies, whatever time we're living in. And we're all connected by this common theme. It just, throughout all of history, when I was looking at it, so many different people for different reasons have done this body, body modification. So I was really moved by that. Yeah. Um, I'm also struck with a shift between, um, a potentially a therapeutic practice or like a curative practice um, and shifting into like the ancient Egyptian um, well-documented love of adornment. So kind of like yes. where like purpose and function and beauty and form, like what, where's the line <laughs> in human yeah. evolution? 
and it's so personal. It depends on who you are, you know. Um, but the the big core part of this really was the seafaring tattoos because um, traveling on the sea kind of was how ideas are spread. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I kind of wanted you to talk about that discovery of them initially um, with. Uh, yeah. So in the, uh, the word 18th and century, the initial, yes. you've got the popularization of the word or the socialization of the word tatao, um, which kind of got um, morphed into the word tattoo. And uh, the the ship Endeavor, very infamous Captain James Cook, going on the course to track the Venus cycle in the South Pacific. Um, and they visited Tahiti as their first uh, station. And in Tahiti, they discovered this word tatao and they realized that um this was like a very common practice both men and women and they were just these beautiful intricate adornments and you see this in polynesian culture so you know we're not five thousand years old we're about two thousand years old here um understanding of uh, polynesian practice of mark making on the body and that kind of got brought back to the west yeah is that what totally you're kind of socialized um by the european sailors um you know cook kind of yeah. being a good m- time marker for this mm-hmm. rise in familiarity with the uh the rest of the world the global south okay um so that's like the bringing of that word and i i think it was still going on I mean, I read that pilgrims were doing it um, now, 15th century. I think that word pilgrim might be um, Christian pilgrims entering in and out of Jerusalem. So not pilgrim as in um, hmm. American pilgrims. So we got to be. Okay. Yeah. The But you're right. There's just, it's it never stops. Yeah. Like you'll find it in any, I feel like if you dig deep enough, you'll find it in any culture. Um, and so in terms of traveling the sea, um, it was kind of like you're out in this really wild world where you're not sure what's going to happen. Mm. And you're creating a little bit of consistency. You're making a statement. You're making memories. Um, For people who were tattoo artists, they would just travel on the ship and be able to make a living that way by going from um, port to port and tattooing people. Um, there's a lot of superstition probably because it's just such a, I mean, think about it being on the sea for maybe months, years at a time, anything could happen. And, um, it's hard. Yeah. And there's all kinds of rituals, right? Like when you, I read that there was a really common practice when you cross the equator of taking, everyone has to take a plunge into the ocean. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah, that's kind of like I love that ode to Poseidon, um, <laughs> or like sea gods. Yeah, um, like don't take us. Uh, yeah, this 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 rite of passage, super common. Yeah, and there were some really cool just symbols that people still use today. Like there, you put a fully rigged ship, and that meant you'd survived rough waters. People, I liked this one a lot for some reason. Hold fast on your knuckles. Oh, I love that. When you're gripping and rigging, which is like the part of your body you're using for a 
something you must do it's when you're like, sailing. It's like affirmation 101. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really actually quite tender and emotional to me. Um, you'd have crosses on your feet to keep you away from sharks. Oh, that's interesting. Bir- mm-hmm. Birds um, symbolizing a safe voyage home. Oh, yeah. Like the swallow, um, right? Yep. The swallow, which I've seen. And then an anchor, the most secure object on the ship, mm. stability and hope. Mm. I mean, these are mythologies, mini world mythologies of their own. They're so moving. And then if you jump into like wartime, mm. you know, and, you know, that's also a thing that kind of became really important. Um, and so you might tattoo. I think I read something about pinup girls being kind of dedication to the woman back home that was yours kind of situation. Um, so that was what I read about that. Um, so you're kind of taking meaningful moments and symbols and translating them and putting them on your body. And when you think about it, if you're always in motion and you're always on the water, your body's the only thing that's kind of stable and certain. So why not adorn yourself with, spells yeah you know, i like is that what it kind of feels like yes yeah. and also um that that idea of you know borrowing culture can be a tender topic but i see it more and more now as like a cross-cultural exchange and hopefully mm-hmm. the like the majority of cross-cultural exchange i would hope would be um you know of a a positive or at least like not an ill intent intent methodology of just learning and mimicking and sharing and then growing from that you know we think about art as like this cumulative generative thing and so these sailors seeing polynesian uh tattooing methodology and other uh cultures tattooing and then the european and american sailors sort of playing with it and toying with it like i um heard that you know the samoan um full body kind of armor style tattoos. I love that so much. It's a bit intense if you're like an American sailor wanting to imitate that, but not wanting to commit to that many hours under the needle, you would just do an armband. And so then the sailors started creating these like tribal armband styles. And then they came back and, you know, the Samoans got to see the product of cross-culture exchange and they quite liked that. And now you see like a lot of Polynesian armband tattoos and it's like, oh, like, so it's like a give and take. Like we give, we take, we bring it back, we regurgitate, it becomes something new. Wait, while you were saying that, um, there was a fact that popped up that I remembered. Um, so one thing I read was like in Virginia, which was considered Norfolk, Virginia was considered a major, major seaport, but I'm sure many seaports had this, but people would come back. Sailors would come in with stories to tell yes. and they would want to get tattoos to tell stories. It's almost a record keeping. Absolutely. Thing. And I was thinking about it because I know someone at work who ta- gets a little tattoo wherever she goes. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be a little symbol of where she went. Mm-hmm. And like, I'd never done research before. I only have my own personal journey with tattoos and what they meant to me. I knew I had no background information. And when I think about my reasons, they connect to these reasons. It's such a um, intuitive, natural, instinctual thing, I feel. That's why I really love going back to the Iceman and going back to the Egyptians. It's like, I think it's something intrinsic in our development that we, all of us across cultures, have this desire to record keep to tell stories to commemorate 
And also the intensity. It's like we know how intense it is because when people use it to control, they know what they're doing. It's like a really. Yeah. um, And I think before. Really important thing. Totally agree. And before we had antibiotics and other sort of modern medicinal tactics, uh, tattooing was actually a gamble. Like, so. A, you were proving that you were brave because you could handle immense amounts of pain and that you were strong enough to actually survive, you know, getting past the infection window. (laughs) Yes. So there's something there's something in that that kind of is like proof in the pud with um, toughest and strongest and um, potentially the most um, strong of body. Yeah, the actual experience itself is part of it, too. Um, And then. Is there anything else about the sea that you feel is that you really want to make sure we share? See, like the the soldiers or not soldiers, but seafaring yeah. folk symbols. I just love those yeah. symbols that you gave. Um, yeah. I didn't know the one around the, uh, you know. So if anyone listening to this knows of other really popular kind of um, mid century uh, sailor symbols, we'd yeah. love to know. That's just that's so cool. Um, yeah. Obviously, we'll have a little blog article that goes with our. Um, podcast we'll add add in the comments yeah please do um because i just wanted to do a quick mention of just the idea of the tattoo is an act of rebellion um what it means based on your class and your race having a tattoo on your body and what it might mean in the in the public or in social life and Really, the main thing I wanted to share was the idea of, for example, women getting tattoos. Um, If you got tattoos in like the 18th, even the 20th century, um, you you might be judged or looked down upon or viewed as... Are we talking about a particular um, um, country when you you talk about that? I mean, I would... I'm assuming uh, the Western world, Europe. So like probably England and here, obviously. I mean, I read that tattooing was banned in New York for some time in like the sixties. I think it was. Do you think it was because of like infection rates or do you think it was like a, I think there was some infection rates. I think there was some infection rates. Um, I don't know about the moral panic. Oh yeah. No hepatitis outbreak blamed on Coney Island tattoos. Yeah. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean now people were still doing it out of their houses. I think people were still doing it. We have, yeah. I mean, we have like, you know, public health authorities now for these reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there, and I, every tattoo artist I've ever been to has awesome standards. Um, but just the idea that tattoos were an early way that women took control of their bodies. And there was this tattoo artist in the 1970s who said many of her clients were women getting a divorce and they wanted to change their body to something that their ex-husband had no experience with. Um you know, from the 18th, 19th, 20th centuries was this kind of push and pull of pushing the limit, getting it for one reason or another, um, and getting judgment and doing it to rebel. And I think it's really interesting where we are now, which is like, I feel like no one cares anymore. I feel like I see more people with tattoos than not at this point. So I feel like we've come to a new place, at least in this part of the world where people are now kind of accepting it. Yeah. Um, even in public education, most of my colleagues have tattoos and show them openly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I would. So I would add to that sort of by saying that um, looking at the stats, um, ballpark yeah. understanding that 
tattooing is in the United States a multi-billion dollar industry and yeah. um, in South Asian countries like in India and Thailand um, Forbes mentioned that um, this is one of the most growing or key industries that these countries have for um, both cultural and economic reasons so globally you see a variance in terms of how many people are tattooed. Apparently, Italy mm -hmm. is the trailblazing um, population. 48% of folk have at least one tattoo. And uh, the runners-up would be the U.S. and the U.K. and Sweden, Brazil. Essentially, it is a fully cross-cultural trend. And... Obviously, like all art and myths, there's a huge range of styles. Um, storytelling tactics differ depending on the culture that you're talking about. Um, you did a great job of touching on the Western tropes of yep. female body autonomy um, and the, the kind of uh, revolution and uprising of the 60s and 70s that created the narrative that women could govern their own lives independently of what their man chooses for them. <laughs> um, and then in the, in the South Pacific, tattooing was this connective way of um, visually sharing your family line and your origin story. And so I'm pretty well-versed now at being able to recognize or, or differentiate between a Samoan tattoo, a Tongan tattoo, a Māori. That's cool. So, like, every mark-making might... You know, it's kind of like, I guess, being familiar with anything. It starts with just, like, this sea of information, and then slowly you start yeah. being able to pick up the characters. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Totally. So, tattoo styles <clears throat> in general. We, I just... I found this really cool list. It's not an exhaustive list. But um, contemporary tattoo styles can look like old school, neo-traditional, new school, black and gray, realism, 3D, cultural, sometimes called tribal, lettering, scripts, watercolor tattoos, geometric mm -hmm. illustration, obviously Japanese, Chinese, Japanese being like its own genre. And then yep. continuous line, dot work, and magical symbols, animals, mm -hmm. and abstract. So do any of those, like, do you want me to break down any of those visually? Um, otherwise, I will just link to that list because visually they all are so amazing. And like each tattoo artist will have be like a specialist in one or two. Yeah, I would love to have you surprise us with images of each in our in our Substacks. But if you want, is there one that you love the most that you kind of want to talk about right now? Well, I think what's really fascinating to me right now is this this magical symbol trend that we're that I'm starting to see just be almost like a tattoo norm where I am, and you probably see it a lot too. It's and you're, some people are hearkening back to hand poke, but it's not necessarily dictative of what tool you use. But this, this like really simple, simplified, but intuitively, you know, I'm putting bunny quotes on that. But it's like you know this sense of like someone channeling a symbol just for you, and yep. them being 
part of a ritual, part of magic making, part of your your newly adopted cosmology, the thing that explains your origins or explains your source of magic or, um, you know, like a gift to you. I actually, I got like a magical tattoo done and- Oh, I can't wait to hear about yeah, this. Yeah, she was very much like, I'm handing down an ancient woman tradition with a symbol. And, you know, so this, this idea of like channeled symbols and the magical being popularized, I find super amazing. And there is- a, a flavor, like a common visual flavor. So I'll, I'll definitely pop that in. Yeah. And I, I was curious. Um, I, I remember you talking about how uh, in Polynesian culture, gender e inclusivity, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's really interesting and important. Yeah. So um, not even just Polynesian, like South Asian as well. Like um, oh, my really? ex-wife is okay. Filipino and, um, her her culture her northern her, the northern part of the philippines this, this mountain province um the iboloi were matrilineal or kind of focused around matrilineal lines and tattooing mm. was very much dictated by the woman's body um mm. and things were handed down the pattern making was handed down via women um and in in most pacific island nations tattoos isn't just for one gender um, and even just like our relationship with gender is really different. And right, although right. body placement might be different um, and some of that being because of the rite of passage, but then some of it also being indicative of where the sacredness or the power lies, which you definitely saw yeah. in Egypt as well. Like the um, yeah. tattoos around women were on their thighs and abdomen, abdomen, which kind of is like this like safe birthing protection. Yes, I remember reading about that. Yep. Well, in yep. um, Te Ao Māori, or the world, world view, um, in the Māori people's perspective, um, the head is the most sacred part of your body. Um, so the face tattoos are incredibly sacred. Um, and women mostly have tattoos around their lips and chin, and men have um, tattoos mostly around their cheeks. I, I, this is a gross generalization, but I'm just trying to give you a, a kind of flavor of how status and gender can be differentiated, but it's still gender inclusive. That's so wonderful. And I, I've been thinking this whole time when we think about different cultures relationship to tattooing and me being only in the Western world in my experience so far in my life, my experience of it has always been an act of rebellion because half the population passes extreme judgment. And so um, like I knew a few people who had full facial tattoos that were their own of their own. They weren't related to that culture, but they got a lot of people really judged that. I just it was people did not know how to handle that because hardly anyone did it. And I was I watched a video about in New Zealand, the traditional face tattooing coming back and becoming more acceptable mm -hmm. um, and not being as, which I think was very exciting to me that this acceptance of it as being a connection or, or part of your, part of your lineage. Yeah. There's a, rena yeah, there's a and cultural I, renaissance absolutely happening, which is, yeah. Makes someone like me, just my heart sing. And I don't even carry yeah. that kind of colonial pain. Um, yeah. But I can celebrate it um, and shout it to the rooftops. Well, Yes. And more, you know, for, I don't know about you and me, but not colonial pain, but for us, at least for me, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, it's lack of any kind of connection to anything. So I'm, I don't have any connection to any sort of like lineage in a way. So I'm creating my own a lot. And then I find when I'm creating my own, I see that other cultures already had that pattern and that, 
journey and I feel kind of inspired by that. Oh yeah. Um, There's like definitely. But it's like, well, I'll make my own, my own language since I don't have one handed down to me. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. You, and you might have to go kind of, and your story will be really similar to um, people potentially listening to this. So I think there's an invitation there to be kind to yourself. So think about like, okay, where would my people have come from generally speaking and what generally speaking can we say are the mark making tactics of that people. So there's plenty of people that I know that come from Celtic origins that are branding and inking themselves in ways that their ancestors would have. So I think collectively knowing it's okay and it's a really good proxy if you don't have like um, a, a trackable or traceable family line either because of um, you know f- sudden fleeing war all kinds of reasons why we don't aren't able to trace our family tree um, obviously the, yeah. the Holocaust being one of the the biggest uh, sources of that confusion people fleeing mm-hmm. um, which definitely is I the case for my dad's side. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, there. yeah, we could talk about that for hours. But yes. Yeah, so like whether your revi- culture is being revitalized with a older ritual or you're making a ritual for yourself, it's such a powerful tool. Yeah. And and I really feel I like to think about what it would be like to live in a culture where it's just accepted. Yeah. And I'll talk more about that with my experience, but where it's just accepted and it's like part of maybe part of initiation into a different part of your life, which is what I did, you know? And so, um, I don't know. Sometimes I think humans in different parts of the world do things semi blindly, but with some sort of intent, they're not sure what it is. And then you learn you're part of this larger tapestry of something that's already been happening since the Iceman and before him, probably. <laughs> yeah. Which is just wild. We have been around. Talk about collective consciousness. We have been around, been around. for millions yeah. of years. There is nothing new, but there is... About this. Every moment feels new to you. Yeah. Agreed. Was there anything else about um, uh, Polynesian culture you wanted to speak about? Oh, you feel like so you symbols... Uh, that mm-hmm. echo the sea, um, you know, you've got swirls and spirals, the kind of language of tides and water. <laughs> I know. And, you know, people who would have disembarked from those early waka, those boats would have stayed put in Aotearoa. They would have settled further inland into the deep magical forests of New Zealand. And then you've got images of like the unfolding fern, the the spiral that symbolizes generative beginnings new life um and then back to kind of sea symbolism uh there's triangles that mimic the heads of fish or sharks turtles and mountains um these languages are easily explained because i believe in collective consciousness but practically speaking polynesians were are incredible seafaring navigators and so because of the wayfinding um tradition there is you know the same kind of spiral imagery in celtic in south american in polynesian it's like oh wow we are just um spreading a global dictionary since the dawn of and of of our um oceanic technologies 
Yeah. And responding to our environment, Mm. you know, and whenever I think I've said this before, so forgive me for repeating myself, but whenever I teach about different cultures, um, I try to ask students, what do you think these particular people were inspired by based on where they lived and how do you think it affected their art? I love that. And when we talked about, when we talked about Pacific Northwest art, I said, well, what, why are these animals so important to them? Mm. And I showed them an image of the Pacific Northwest. Anything you can do to like get inside the skin or inside the lens of the time, I think is a really powerful exercise. And then, yeah, from an urban perspective or from a loss of culture perspective, I asked them to look at where they are now. What symbols do you see? And that's when you revitalize where you are Mm. by being like, well, what are my symbols then? Mm. Even if you feel lost. And that might be a good transition into create what we got in ourselves. Let's get personal. Both of us being (laughs) from America. Yeah. (laughs) Being from America, which is a lot of, in my opinion, like, a lot of people in America are lost in terms of disconnection, you know, with our past in a lot of ways. So um, let's get personal. Yeah. Pixie, why don't you go Who first? wants to go first? Okay. <laughs> so I, um, we did like a self-reflection question and dear listener, feel free to jot down your own. What are the yeah. stories or story behind your tattoo? or tattoos. Any good stories about the day of getting them? Yeah. Um, you were there for my very first one. I was. I involved you very directly. <laughs> um, and uh, so like, as I said, this is the first time I actually looked at the history. I never thought to do it. Um, so like I've said before, I am proud and inspired to be a part of this long lineage of intuition within the human race. It makes me feel very connected. It's really been very moving for me. I was drawn to tattoos for my own reasons. I was, I was drawn to this one, this first one I got. And it was super, like everything is with me. It was super like unclear. I just was obsessing over it. I don't know if you remember me obsessing Mm -hmm. over it, but I, I tend to be obsessive. So I was drawing it on myself. And it was a line on my left arm. And I had a whole mythology around the fact that I'm right-handed. So the idea of getting it on my left arm was balancing my energy out. Mm. And I was obsessed with blind contour. Oh, yeah. And I wanted I, – I liked line work. And so I wanted it to be simple. And I wanted it to be this line going down my arm from my shoulder to my pinky on my hand. It took me weeks. I planned and planned. I drew, I wrote. Um, Rob from our the sculpture department um, helped me kind of line it up in the right place. I wanted the line to curve on a certain part on my arm. And I was thinking about portals into my body, which I'm always kind of thinking about. I wanted it to match or flow with the shape of my body. I wanted it to be like accentuating what my body was already like. Nice. So I drew it on myself for a while with pen to make sure I liked it because I was I was afraid. I was initially a little nervous about tattoos because it's so permanent. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I – this is my first one. I wanted to make sure that I really liked it. And I also wanted it to fade in places. So I wanted them to water down the ink and fade it. So the day I – finally I made the appointment. And it's kind of hard to talk about because a lot of the things in the story now are no longer a part of my life. Um, but it was a place in my life at the time that was very comforting to me. And we drove up from purchase and, um, 
that night before I got my tattoo, I had this really amazing dream that I never have forgotten. And I was, I was a bird in the dream. Mm. I was a small black bird and there was a larger wise bird. Um, and I was following that bird and, Mm. um, I woke up in the middle of a snowstorm and friends showed up and then we went the next day. And, um, I was so, I think I was nervous. We have pictures of it. He, I think he did exactly what I wanted him to do, but it's interesting speaking about um, judgment in society. I wanted my tattoo to end on my pinky and he wouldn't tattoo my hand because he didn't want me to not be able to get a job. Yeah. And that's what he told me. Yeah. And I think he was protecting me because I was super young and I'm sure he didn't care, but it was like, annoy- I still always get annoyed because it's like, you know, the fact that I had to think about that at all, you know, because this was a rite of passage for me. It was like a huge deal. And so um, I had that powerful dream. We went in. I got it. I remember the first minute the, the needle touched my skin. <laughs> I went, Roto! I screamed your name. <laughs> yeah, you did. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, after it was done, it was very quick because it was not a very complicated tattoo. I remember because it was just this thin line going down my body. It was like a, a line of fire mm. down my arm. Ooh. And the coolest part. What came to me as I was designing this tattoo was the coolest part was that it was about, I realized, change because it was this flowing line and it was about me remembering that the only thing I could depend on was things changing and I do not handle change well. And I'll post a picture, but when I held up my arm to itself and folded it, the line lined up with (gasps) itself so that... It lined up like your crease naturally, oh, my so crease of cool. my arm. I did not plan that, and I don't think my tattoo artist planned it. It just worked out. I love it. And for something that's so scarily permanent, I let some of the winds of chance take over there because <laughs> I didn't realize. I mean, it was just where it landed, and it worked out, and it kind of was affirming of that things will work out, just trust in the universe kind of thing even those changes scary. It was this whole acceptance of life moment for me in my, you know, baby youth time Mm. of college. So that's my first tattoo. Um, And so I think a lot about, I mentioned Martin Shaw all the time, but he talks about initiation. And I think I initiated myself into a next phase of the next phase of my life. And, um, yeah, so that's my first one. Do you want me to continue with the other ones or do you want to go next? And then we can alternate. How do you feel? Ooh, like a trading our first. <laughs> yeah, we could. Tra- that's a good idea. What's your first one? Yeah. I feel like it's a really similar um, sense of that transition from something younger into something older. Uh, I was n- not of the legal age, so I will not divulge <laughs> who did my tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the cool thing about <laughs> oh, yeah. it was I, so some significant things had happened prior to me getting the tattoo, one of which um, I went to a mixed magnet school for my first mm-hmm. couple of years of high school. So, you know, turning 12, having to create a portfolio in which I got accepted into a arts program at one of the high schools in Kentucky um, and feeling like, Oh, I'm an artist. Like that was a really significant thing because I earned that. And um, there were people in my class that were stylizing their signatures to sign mm-hmm. their artwork. Cause you, 
like that's when I first learned about signing your artwork, like not just your name. And so I was like, I want a symbol as my signature. And so it definitely came to me in a dream, which is on par with everything else in my life. And that symbol is kind of like a, a U and a G looking thing. And it's got sunburst kind of rays coming out of it. And it follows me to this day. That's how I sign my name, like stylistically, like in a letter or anything really. And I wanted that. I started, and so flash forward to being 16, I was hanging out with people that were older than me. And so tattoos became way more normalized in my social group. And it, within my social group, there were there was a, a very awesome tattoo artist. And she, there was like this thing that she would trade. So um, wow. she really liked um, something that I had drawn while I was waiting for a friend to finish one of her tattoos. And I was like, oh, if I draw you something like this, will you give me like a very small tattoo? And she was like, mm, okay, sure. And so I gave her a really pretty, very colorful Prisma color art. And I like framed it for her because um, I knew that, you know, this was her time and money. So I wanted to give her something of equal value. And then she tattooed, but yeah. took to my bosoms because I wanted to, it to be, you know, semi-visible, but also Secret. hidden. Um, yeah. To be, to be found. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it took my parents a while to see it. But when they did, they were like, is that, is, is that a tattoo? Oh, rude. Well, at least it's pretty. And then I was like, it's my signature. And they were like, oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. That, no, that's cool. Not happy about it, but that's cool. <laughs> and that was my first tattoo. <laughs> that's so interesting. It's such an interesting first time. And, you know, I forgot to share that my uncle revealed he didn't like them. <laughs> and I remember it hurt me. Yeah. Like, I was like... I wanted him to like it. Did you feel that same way that you wanted your family to care and like it or did it not bother you? I think I got rid of that desire very quickly because I didn't care. But like for a minute, I was like, oh, I deeply yeah. never want to disappoint my family. Yeah. So I remember being like, I'm going to ease myself into this because I don't want to create a riff because my parents feelings matter to me deeply. There's like strong. Yeah. We're very strong. As a family. So, yeah, their feelings mattered to me. But at the same time, I have like a hardcore rebellious streak. So I was like, fuck it, rule breaking. I think I do a little too. And I, I think that flashback to like talking about other cultures where it was acceptable and where it is a part of the culture. I just think that's very interesting. Like yeah. wanting to do it anyway, doing it despite that kind of pushback from families being like, you're not old enough yet. When maybe it's actually something teenagers want to do. Mm. as some sort of initiation for themselves and they don't even realize that they are yeah. you know what i mean i don't know it's super complex i mean even within a culture yeah. like i was like using like really blanket generalities with yeah. polynesian cultures but yeah. even that like sure. it's not a monolith you've got no the no effects, of course not. the impacts yeah. of like different types of christianity like so there's lots of like for every stated norm there is a contradictory right example of where that's not the case yeah. In every culture, there's different pockets of different beliefs around it. Absolutely. Um, so that was our first time. That was our first like doorway into 
body art for ourselves. Mm. And my next one, shall I flash to my next one? Flash, flash to the next one. Um, so it's interesting. Oh, because it was it was about liberation. Because the person I had been with before I got this did not like tattoos. And that was a source of pain for me because it was a part of me. And I remember that person's mother making a statement like, oh, he usually doesn't like people with tattoos. And I was thinking, people with tattoos, what does that mean? And I remember, and he didn't say that, but, you know, it was just, there's all this tension around tattoos in this culture here. It's very, in American culture. Mm. And so for the longest time, I kind of didn't think about it. But there would be moments when I would have this drive that I wanted something else on me, a plant usually. Mm. I was having visions of having something on my spine, like eucalyptus or something. Mm. And um, I probably will at some point. And because I was so invested in this relationship, I just felt like I couldn't. And then I started, as this thing started changing and I started realizing maybe it wasn't working out, I started getting more ideas. And then once it was over and I was in the throes of that aftermath and the pandemic, I started making my next one. And what came to me was my chest um, and my heart and my like entryway to myself. And I wanted, because I'm fantasy, I wanted a flower there, but I didn't want it to be like something you'd recognize like I just wanted him, the tattoo artist, to make it up. So I wrote about it. I drew it. I sketched it. I had some in- images. And all I could afford was line work. And he did it for me. And I was wearing a mask the whole time because things were still weird. And um, I mean, they still are, but they were weirder. And uh, it was like I was so unhealthy. I was so out of my mind with pain and grief. It just felt – and the person I was seeing off and on at the time – who is my partner now, um, was super supportive, just like, go for it, do it. And I loved his tattoos and it was like inspired. I was being, I think I was being very inspired by his because he has these gorgeous like antlers that represent his sisters and they were like growing on his chest. And I was like, Oh my God, I love that. And I just, I loved that he loved and supported me doing whatever I wanted with my body. That felt very liberating. And so I was like sending him pictures the whole time. And like, there was just something I was feeling seen. I was feeling supported, but it was so personal. And so me, it was liberation. So it was kind of a reminder to myself to never dull myself again. I think never to like not trust myself again, because a lot of that relationship was not trusting myself and trusting in the fact that I am an artist and trusting in the fact that this isn't actually a very important part of me tattoos, which I didn't realize. I did not realize how important they were. And um, I think I can very easily slide into the final two. Um, So I'm more settled now. I'm definitely more in a solid headspace and I'm getting sleeves. I'm planning on filling up both of my arms and my chest completely. Um, And I found this artist who is like, her name is Katie. I'm hoping I can maybe get her to come on here. She's magical. (laughs) And I think we can talk about, I'm sure you can too with your artists. She's, I think tattoo artists are kind of um, witches or some kind of channel. They're very important people. And um, she 
I found someone who she had a lot of styles up her sleeve. She can do anything. I've seen her do any of many of the styles you listed. Oh, I've seen wow. Her do that's them, cool. And do them and do them well. And um, I sent her I was sketching first the things I was thinking and I, you know, a hair, a rabbit with the long ears. That was something I really wanted about intuition. And then I was thinking plants. I was thinking wild strawberries for my childhood currants, which is one of my favorite foods. Um, mugwort dreams, um, seashells for the ocean. And I just was like, here's the stuff. And she took a while and I was like stressing. And Josh was like, let her do her thing. And I was like, you're right. Mm -hmm. And one day she, it was like the date we were going to do it didn't work out. So I was just waiting. And one day she sent me the image and I was like, oh my God, you did it. And I went in and she did it on me and I felt like I was born with it on my body. Oh, wow. And I just feel like she's cre- she's healing me. I feel like her every time I go into I get work from her, it's like very sacred and she's healing me. And I remember sitting in her chair and it's her studio. It's her business. And she has like a mirror set up and it's like an altar. And I was like, I am in a sacred space right now. This person is healing me and I'm in so much pain. And the actual pain mm-hmm. of the tattoo is cathartic mm-hmm. and a process for me. The pain mm-hmm. is actually the healing part. And then you get this like badge of honor at the end thinking about those sailors, you know. And so um, it's very emotional for me. And she it was two sessions. She did line work and then shading. And then I finally went back and got the other side and I wanted them to match. So they're mirror images of each other. Cool. So I'm flanked by hairs and mugwort. <laughs> and what I noticed is that controlling fear I had in the initially where I wanted to be able to control like all the images. I got to the point where I was like, we had this empty space and she's also having to integrate the line because I'm kind of sort of covering up that line now that I got and she's kind of putting it in there with it. And I was like, just throw a crystal in there. So she just threw it in wow. and I would never have done something like that like early. And so now I gave her a deposit and she's working on my chest. Oh, she's starting to start drawing my chest. So, cool. so I think so. So this whole process has been um, a healing, trustworthy, like part of like trusting this person with these really intimate things about me. And she really took the time to do them right. She even told me I could tell it was special. Mm. So I really needed to think about it. (laughs) And she also at one point did not make me pay. And like I I baked her muffins. I ultimately did pay her some, but I didn't pay her. She didn't make me pay all of it at one point because I was low on money. And it was like this energetic exchange. And I adore her. Like I, I, at this point, everything on my upper body is going to be done by her. And, um, so I think what I'm doing to close at this point is I'm I'm trying to I'm kind of I, I, I'm kind of crafting a vessel I can trust myself mm. a seaworthy vessel Ooh. that I can sail in the rest of my life is what came to me after looking at the sea tattoos <laughs> and so I'm in the process of kind of solidifying that for myself and so that was my personal journey with tattoos. Well, that is a beautiful story. Thank you. I like um, thinking of you as a vessel, seaworthy vessel. <laughs> I am seaworthy. Indeed. Ocean eyes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, shall I continue on with the wind way? Yes, I want to hear about the rest of yours. Personal mythology. Um, yeah. You were there for my second tattoo, like I was there for your first. I was. 
Um, so yeah. both of us got tattoos while we were at SUNY Purchase. Shout out SUNY Purchase. Yep. And I'm unsure what came first, knowing about this artist that my girlfriend at the time was going to, or if I knew that I wanted to buy myself a big tattoo with the prize money that I knew I was going to win um, for this. Like, I didn't know that part. Yeah, there was yeah. this mural contest that mm. Purchase was putting on. Oh. And I was like, oh, I do remember. I do. Not only am I going to win that mural contest with the most incredible design that I haven't figured out yet, but I just know it's going to be great. Um, I am going to, I want this cash money and I want to buy myself a tattoo. So the important aspect around that tattoo and that decision making process was my dedication to fractals and Mm -hmm. that I wanted... I loved this idea of um, being a symbolic or abstract artist. So, you know, I wanted something that could be kind of nonsensical and abstract. And then I wanted to make a bigger commitment to having visible ink. And yeah, I got a giant broccoli on my boob. (laughs) And it was my chest really but um i remember when i came i had a couple of different ideas one of which was like a baby raptor inside of an egg like national geographic style um i was like i could get it on my thigh and then like very last minute pivot and i was like i want a broccoli because i'm obsessed with fractals and i told the tattoo artist about it and larry was like oh that's so cool I'm gonna go shopping for some broccoli (laughs) and he like you know harkened back to his like art school days and like did studies like he painted all of these broccolis and was like familiarizing himself with the form and shadowing of broccoli and then on the day of getting it that it was like five hours and I remember that so he was like I'm part Lakota I just wanted I wanted to just go straight through I don't like stopping and I was like, okay. <laughs> I remember you were in a lot of pain. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And it, because I was lying yeah. down on my back, I just remember, oh, I remember him saying, um, she's in a lot of pain because her feet are on the ground. You need to come over here and touch her, anchor her to the ground. And you were like, okay. Did I do mm-hmm. that? You held me on my shoulders <laughs> while he like, you know, um, leaned over my boob and did it. And you were holding wow. my shoulders. You were like gently touching my temples. You were just like, is this, is this nice? I was like, yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't yeah. remember is this. Is this nice? Wow. Yes. And I mean, I think we got like a 10 minute meal break at one point. I remember getting sushi. No, it was definitely Chinese no. food. Okay. Some sort of, okay. But. I'm looking at the tattoo now. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. And. The shading is great. I know it's. Yeah. It's what's I would think what's cool about it now. Like. 20,000 years later is that what I remember right away was doing a lot of mirror work, like staring myself in the mirror with magical intent and Mm -hmm. being like, this is you, this is you, this is you. And, and having like a thought pop into my head, your body is a canvas and me being like, Mm. who said that? Did I say that? Mm. Oh, Mm -hmm. and then just the evolution of, dressing myself in ways that would accentuate or work jive with my tattoo. And then just seeing how it ages um, is such an amazing thing. I think as an artist, you're obsessed with like 
the evolution of something um and watching things kind oh, of yeah. like break down and change and like yep you know talk about like losing control like you have no yeah. control over how your skin is going to yep. take this thing and yeah 20 some thousand years later my broccoli <laughs> i remember with like enough years of being in the south pacific with like this killer sun here obviously some of the color is faded which is kind of revealed like a yellowy aspect to the mm. broccoli florette head and someone being like oh, it's been in the crisper too long you know like wilted broccoli and me being like fuck you but also yeah i guess so <laughs> i mean you could easily touch that up but like this is the conundrum though because do you want to? yeah yeah there are time capsules um yeah third tattoo i almost forgot about um but I definitely have not forgotten. Now that I've remembered it, I've definitely not forgotten the experience of it. It was a hand poke tattoo also at SUNY Purchase. Um, and uh, the it was like the last semester of art school. And it represents this wild, psychedelic, radiant potential of just like living viscerally and wildly. And um, they're like little sprouts bean sprouts because i used to make my little bean sprouts talk and i think it also adds to the botanical theme that has dictated the rest of my most of my tattoos yeah yeah and my fourth tattoo uh flow on from the canvas the garden of my body um was on one of my birthdays in my early 20s in new zealand so my first new zealand tattoo in a garage at my um friend's cousin's um doing and he was primarily working in traditional uh, Maori design tamboko hmm. and he, i just drew it on myself and then he traced it and that was a really different oh, wow. experience because the continuum of being an artist bold enough to put my own art on my body as the designer was yeah. a very cool experience like oh i did that that's powerful yeah i still have yet to like get a gun i want a tattoo gun i want to do tattoos but oh. i also have like aversions to pain and don't necessarily feel strongly called to do that it's like more of like a that wouldn't that be cool if i did that i'd let you tattoo me <laughs> i don't know if i could do that knowing that i was giving you pain <laughs> kind of like a little bit so i'd be okay with it so that thing that i drew on myself are mushrooms different types of mushrooms so yeah. um like the ankle I wanted like kind of foragey, mushroomy, um, um, like shiitake style mushrooms, yeah. like button mushrooms. And like there's a combination of it being like an ode to my favorite part of um, Disney's Fantasia with the dancing mushrooms. Um, but then also my love of mushrooms in general. I have, an, I have just like a psychotic level love of mushrooms. And then on um, the inside of my calf. So that's like on one side of my ankle. And then on the inside of my calf are poisonous mushrooms. So I wanted like edible, non-edible, um, a hen of the woods, they're often called. Um, and I wanted that to be a little bit more abstract. So I made this kind of just circle shape, which would be the moon, and then the hen of the woods kind of radiating out of them. Um, and then... That was really weird because they were, you know, just black lines and I abhor black and white things <laughs> personally. I mm -hmm. want color. Mm -hmm. So when I yeah. went to the Philippines for the first time with my ex-wife, um, 
uh, I asked one of the tattoo artists there in Baguio City if he could color them in. And I that was my worst reaction to a tattoo, like physical mm. reaction. Uh, I think the combination of the heat and the kind of smog of the city, I was just violently ill after that. Wow. <laughs> but then my fifth, which is kind of this beautiful full circle of my artistic identity, my friend Tina um, from, I met her at an art camp, Pratt Institute in, in New York City. Um, in 2001, we met and did a you know pre, pre-university art camp together, and she became she went on to become a tattoo artist. And I love botanical art, and Tina um, was studying under this um, Polynesian neo-traditional st- signature Hawaiian style, where the colors are really bold, the details are really lush, and it kind of harkens back to that sailor traditional style but it has like this new panache of being really bold and bright and vibrant and so she has this like very signature style of doing leaves like these beautiful ruffly ridgy leaves and so I was just so excited I did like a lemon lemon lime I don't know if it's a lemon or a lime because that's the funny thing about New Zealand they have like this like citrus confusion like sometimes their limes are yellow and sometimes their lemons are green and so I did that on my forearm visiting her in Philly. And then my sixth was a build on from the mushrooms. Like I said, I didn't like that they were, they had no um, cohesive color and the Philippines tattoo like didn't necessarily stick very well. So I commissioned this really awesome artist. um, And the reason that I chose him was because of all the people that I had asked about what they would do with this mushroom tattoo. I said, I might cover it. And he said, no, they're really cool. They just need a horizon. They just need an environment. And I was like, oh, sold. And he was like, he was was teaching himself art via tattooing. So he was, he he came, he was like a reverse student of art. He came from a tattoo family, like a tattoo industry family. And then he sent himself essentially through art academy by teaching himself different artistic movements. So he was like, now I'm learning cross hatching. <laughs> wow. And so he was like, um, I want this to be very painterly because you're a painter. And so he created this incredible environment for my mushrooms. But he's in Australia and he hasn't finished it, which is frustrating. But these are the things that you go through. Um, yeah. And the thing that I learned about that particular moment or that particular experience, it was multiple sittings. I had never gone to a multiple sitting experience. They were hours on end of excruciating, excruciating agony. Um, But on top of that, I was going through a divorce and the spiritual, emotional pain topped on top of physical pain was a lot. So I remember at one point kind of, canceling one of my sittings because I was like actually today is a very sad day for me I am filled with grief and he was just like okay and then COVID hit and yeah I lost track of him so dumb dumb oh well um and then my seventh is my the magical uh spiritual symbolism piece that I talked about in the beginning and it, yeah. it stemmed out of a therapeutic session that I did um, with Michelle Casey, where we kind of worked on feeling safe in my body. And I had this like really powerful 
image of, of like a miniature version of me being cradled in my own hand. And I wanted that kind of cradling effect. And like, I don't know if you can do this, but like when you, when you imagine a cradle, like your hand kind of curves into like a little crescent. And I wanted that like kind of crescenty shape. And I wanted it on my chest again, because of that feeling of like being like near my heart. Um, but obviously my heart is covered with the broccoli. So it had to be the other side. And I had this consultation with a tattoo artist that I'd heard about. She does tea ceremonies as part of her wow. tattooing experience. So she, like the experience oh. is on tandem with or on par with the actual tattoo. And I was like, I want that. And she, I also heard that she channels images. And I was like, I want me some of that. And I told her about my healing experience. And she said, well, I want to give you a healing. She was like, this is like very deeply mother energy for me. So my mother gave me knowledge about uh, the symbol of feminine healing, Triska tris, tris, or Tiska, no, Tiska's her name, Tristel. Oh my God, the words are failing me. Um, but this kind of moon crescent disc shape, which you see in a lot of cultures. Um, and sometimes it's reversed. So it looks like bullhorns and then a, kind of moon sun disc underneath it and sometimes the bowl shape is underneath the circle and that symbol she was like i want to give that to you it's handed down to me by my mother and i want to contribute wow. to the healing of like your motherly lines and it was the first time that i had experienced no pain in getting a tattoo wow so i'm looking at it um it is really powerful image yeah yeah. Um, I'm dying to get more, just like you. I want more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. It feels kind of like you grow and they kind of appear and they're like marking periods of time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like sweating from the effort of telling that entire story. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> but it's powerful. And it makes me want to like talk to other people about their tattoos. Because mm -hmm. the story is so cool. I mean, oh, you know, that's one thing that we really didn't cover is like tattoo etiquette and how that's changed. Mm. Like I've seen a huge change when I first got my first tattoo. A lot of people would touch my body as part of mm. their like observation of my tattoo. And then like... That has not happened for decades. So like something no. changed and like men got the message that you can't just touch a woman's body. I never had that happen to me. But one thing that I think is adorable and, ador and cute is little babies touching because they'll be oh. like, ooh, oh. Um, like Josh's niece has like become fascinated sometimes with the rabbit. She'll be like, and I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> um. But I think it's a pretty sacred circle of telling those stories. They are very personal to us. And it's kind of cool that we were there for each other's. Um, so I'm, I appreciate you like being a part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am very grateful that you are one of my oldest friends that you know, to the intimacy level that we have. That's a that's yeah. a pretty cool thing to go through that many rites of passage with somebody and still have like yeah. a, a highly 
um, fun- high functioning relationship. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to have been there for each other for those things. Yeah. And I, I mourn the part of myself that didn't feel like I was allowed. And I'm really happy about the part of myself now that realizes that it's a perfectly normal, uh, important part of being alive. Mm-hmm. So celebrating for that. me, yeah, for me per- personally, yes. yeah. So, and I like that I'm now in a culture where I feel like I don't have to hide it. Mm-hmm. I think that happened pretty quickly. And like I said, I work in a school, and I think every single person I work with has something. That's so cool. So it's kind of great. Yeah. Um, definitely like we said throughout the show tell us what you think Um, yeah share your stories about yours (laughs) or let us know if you'd like to come on and tell your story we'd love to do that Mm -hmm. it's very cathartic very cool sharing this even though it made me sweat (laughs) interesting why how come to know to know Hmm. like a good like energy or like I just noticed it like right afterwards, like, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, am I have I been working hard trying to like distill all of this information? Like I said, I I think there's like a really interesting tattoo etiquette where people don't always ask um, what it means or what that's about anymore. There's like a real like respect to privacy. But I think the exchange or like the double edged sword of that is that you're like, oh, I don't really. I'm willing to share with certain people. I mean, there's certain times where I'm like, no, I'm not willing to share. Like, I remember being in my 20s and people being like what's that about and I'm like you said that so irreverently um that you don't deserve (laughs) to know to know yeah (laughs) um but nowadays I'm like oh kind of wish somebody would ask obviously in a way that you know genuine if you are genuinely curious and want to know and care about me I would love to tell you more yeah yeah absolutely and when you learn about someone's tattoo, you learn a little more about them, too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we might revisit this, I wonder, because I just feel like there's more here that yeah. we're going to dig up later. That's the feeling I'm getting. I mean, especially if we're going to be interviewing some tattoo artists. I would love to. Yes. So I feel like we are, we hit an hour. That was an hour-long exploration. Boom. Um is there anything else you feel that we must say before we ease out of this story? If you've made it this far, thank you so much for being <laughs> a curious and avid listener of the Magic Hour Dreamcast. Thank you so much. Yes. And please, um, now that we have Substack, we we really would love to have new guests on and to hear your experiences with tattoos and your own initiation. Mm. So thank you for listening. And like we keep saying, check out our Substack. We'll have links. We'll have images. And it's a place where we can be a community and talk about things. Stay tuned for fortnightly episodes, always weaving the magic of myth, fairy tales, creativity, artisticness, and friendship. The music we use uh, for our podcast is called Whimsical Aliens, and it was written and performed by Alejandro Bernard from Ithaca, New York. Please subscribe and like his music tutorials on YouTube. They are adorable and awesome. You can become a patron to his work on Patreon. 
And also this whole project and behind the scenes is edited and produced by Bjorn. We really appreciate your support and we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.